On tonight's episode of the podcast, we talk the Raptors, we look at the Zurich Classic, I make my picks, we look at the NFL Draft, I talk about the Super League, and I make my top 10. This is the Draining Jimmy's Podcast. Saturday, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the podcast. Lost the cover on today's episode. So let's start with the Toronto Raptors. Well, the Raptors streak has ended. They lost today to the New York Knicks, 122-103. It was an up and down game. The Raptors made it close and then they fell apart. Like the usual story has been this season. It has been an up and down season for the Raptors. You can definitely use that as a description for their season, but Overall, they had a good win streak going. They're playing a red-hot Knicks team, and I've talked about the Knicks on this episode, on this podcast multiple times and how well they've been playing, and they have been playing well. So you have to give respect where respect is due. So the Knicks were the better team today. Raptors had issues. We had two guys, three guys over 25 points, OG, Fred, and Siakam. So they were playing well. The bench definitely had an issue. They were outscored 42-11. to 11. So that's not going to win you games. Kyle Lowry only had four points. So definitely had some struggles there today uh, for them. But you know what? Give, again, credit to the Knicks for playing very good basketball. Raptors played Cleveland on Monday, and then they go on their big stretch where they're playing Brooklyn twice, the Clippers, Denver, uh, Utah, and also uh, the Lakers as well. So hopefully those teams could be resting players as they're getting down to the stretch, but at the same time too, they may get themselves ready as well. Raptors have a chance of trying to get into the play-in tournament. We'll see, uh, but it's going to be a struggle for the next few games. Hopefully Cleveland they can take out. They got the Bulls and the Hornets again, uh, and as well as they play the Knicks another time too. So it's going to be a struggle, and they got the Wizards as well. So it's definitely going to be a battle for the Raptors for the next 13 games. Hopefully they can do well. They can try and win out all 13, but I don't think it's going to make much of a difference, especially if those teams are playing uh, full strength for that. So, again, uh, Raptors looked well. They've been playing well this week. Uh, they've been playing well through their win streak from beating San Antonio, Orlando. Uh, had an impressive win last game as well. And you know what? It, it has been tough. And you know what? They had the time off as well, which is, you know, good. Uh, but at the same time, too, you know, the bench wasn't there. And the bench has been key for them for some games. Malachi Flynn was playing well. Uh, you having Lowry back. You know, Trent Jr. wasn't playing the best. But, again, uh, the Raptors definitely struggled today uh, against a very good Knicks team who have now won nine straight, which is very, very good for them. Uh, so take a look at them for Cleveland on Monday. Hopefully they can bounce back and, you know, start another streak going. Well, on Monday's episode of the podcast, I talked about the newly formed Super League. Well, ding dong, the Super League is now gone. It has fallen apart. Well, it literally fell apart the next day. So the league is not going to be happening from what it looks like. Um, the majority of the teams have pulled out, including half, or including the majority of the teams from the English Premier League as well. So the, the league has collapsed. It's, it's not going to be happening. I know they're going to try and work on something to get there, but... 
it didn't work out because guess what? There was they're trying to make it their own. They're trying to make it without having UEFA and having any impact. And you know what? It, it, some fans were upset about some of these teams leaving to go off and join because you know what? They were offended. And you know what? You you have teams that are trying to carry some of those smaller clubs as well. But at the end of it, you know what? I kind of did support it at the time just because it'd be interesting because you know when you looked at it they wouldn't be leaving their designated areas they were still going to be i believe still participating in that but at the same time too they were trying to go after uefa but you know what uefa did what they had to do they had to put their uh means and everything in regards to you know not showing i uh, sorry not um having players play in, you know, world tournaments, including the Euro Cup and the FIFA. So right now they're in damage control mode, trying to fix everything, all these clubs, and we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, but right now everything has resumed to normal. Uh, those teams that were that are going to be participating in the uh, Super League will be resuming their Champions League, which will be going on today, and we'll be discussing those games on Monday uh, because it's the semifinals this week, and then the winners from that go on to the finals, and we'll discuss that as well. Uh, but again, uh, the Super League, well, it, it, it lasted for 36 hours, and then it just collapsed with teams just pulling out and out and out, and things just drastically changed, and you know what? It happens, and you know, I guess they didn't do things the right way. We all know it was about money. That's what it was. UEFA has now restructured the way Champions League will be for the clubs, especially for those more premier clubs about getting funds. And that's what it was. When you were doing this Super League, it was about money. It was about the pool of money that they would be getting and diversifying, or sorry, dividing over all the other clubs. So definitely was an interesting uh, concept. And I thought it was going to be good, but at the same time too, they definitely went about it the wrong way. And we'll see how it goes if it does happen in the future. But again, uh, the Super League, not so super anymore. It has gone the way of the Dodo. Zurich Classic is going on at the moment, and so far it's looking good. I, I will be honest with you, I haven't caught up much with it. I've seen it's in bits and pieces of the tournament, and it's looking like a good matchup. Now, the Zurich Classic is a different format. It's not your usual, you know, match play or uh, stroke event. Well, it is stroke, but it is team events. So you have your teams, they are set. So Ustase and Schwarzel are in the lead with 19 under. You have Fleischman, Cameron Smith in second, tied with Cameron Champ and also Tony Finau at 18 under. You got Bubba Watson, Scotty Scheffler in it, uh, 17 under with Hovland and Ventura tied with them. And so far it's looking good. It's definitely interesting, uh, especially with the team event, you have them competing with each other uh, but it's looking good, especially going into the final round for tomorrow with uh, Ustazen and Schorsel in the lead at the moment. Both went 9 under today, or sorry, they went 9 under today, same with uh, Smith and Leishman. So looking good. Now we're going back, we're going to take a look at some Canadians. Now uh, David Hearn is with uh, Zach Soaker. Uh, so they're completing, uh, competing, right, or so they're at 10 under. Uh, tied for 30th. Uh, they went 400 today. Michael Glillick and Whaley is uh, tied for, uh, with 10 under with Hearn. Uh, and again, team up. So Hearn and Sucker, uh, Suture, sorry, are tied together. And Glillick and Whaley are a team as well. And if we're looking at other Canadians uh, in the field, I did see Nick Taylor. Him and Matt Martin Laird did not make it in. As well as Roger Sloan and Aaron Baddeley. Uh, 
if you know who Aaron Bagley is, he has competed in some tournaments before. And those are it for the Canadians. Let me just take a look to make sure. No, that was it for the Canadians. So it's tough to know uh, Hughes or no Connors this week. We'll probably see them later on with other tournaments coming up, especially with the PGA coming up at the end of May. So we're a month away from that. But so far, the tournament's looking good. And to be honest, like I stated, I haven't caught much. I will be catching up on the final round tomorrow uh, for the tournament. And Monday, I will review that final round. That way, I'll give you more details on how everything worked out. But so far, it's been a good tournament um, right now, like I stated, with those leaders. But again, I will give more feedback on Monday's episode as it gets into more depth. Uh, so again, I do apologize for the lack of attention for this tournament. Um, nothing personal. just haven't focused on this tournament other areas of sports, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but again... On Monday, I will talk about the final round of the Zurich Classic and give more depth. Now, will it be uh, Team Ustazen and Schwarzel, or will we see uh, Smith and Leishman uh, catch up and take the lead? Also want to make a note, congratulations to Brooke Henderson winning her tournament today, uh, 10 under, and that's her 10th win on tour as well. So congratulations to the Canadian on her victory today. Uh, just to confirm, I, I'm going to give you the title of the tournament that she won, so I do apologize for that. I should have, it's, it's a big win for her, which is great, which makes it great. So uh, she, she wins the LA Open, uh, which finished today uh, she finished with 16 under par uh, when she was going into it she was a couple strokes back but was able to close it out and finish today but again congratulations to Brooke Henderson on winning her 10th tournament and the LA Open well we're a few days away from the NFL draft that's happening on April the 29th not August the 29th April the 29th and you know what I will have more discussions next week. On Wednesday, I'll do a little bit of a draft special like I did for the Masters. Doing more depth, maybe do predictions on who could be going where, which teams can be picking what. Uh, so in more depth of that. But yes, we are not too far away from the draft and lots of questions are happening. A lot of questions are going to be the quarterbacks. Who's going where? Who's taking who? Who's trading? Who's getting what? And so when we're looking here at the top 10 uh, right now, and I will discuss right now who I might believe, but next Wednesday I'll be doing another special in regards to the draft, uh, just like I will be doing for all majors as well as uh, other important events, especially with playoffs coming up for NHL and uh, NBA. Uh, but again, back to the draft. Uh, yes, Wednesday I'll be doing a special episode of the podcast. And so going back to tonight, looking at it. So we got Jacksonville, 1, New York, 2, San Fran, 3, Atlanta, 4, 5, Cincinnati, 6, Miami, 7, Detroit, 8, Carolina, 9, Denver, 10, Dallas, 11, New York, 12, Philadelphia, uh, 13, the Chargers, uh, Minnesota's number 14, and 15 are the Patriots. So that's the top 15. I know I discussed the top 10. Kind of got a little carried off as I'm counting away. So when we're looking here, the quarterback has been the question. Who is going to be that quarterback? We know uh, Lawrence is going number one. What's New York going to do? They're probably going to go with Wilson which means number three, San Fran, they have a lot of questions. Who could they be going for? Could they be going for Mac Jones? Could they be going for Lance? 
those could be some of the players there. Uh, Justin Fields, that's one there as well. So right now we could see five quarterbacks go in the top 15, possibly five go in the top 10 when we're looking at it. Because we know Jacksonville, New York are going to go. San Fran may go as well. Atlanta, well, it's hard to say. Could they be looking for the successor? Or are they just going to try and build around for Matt Ryan to try and make another run for it? Because he's coming up on free agency. So Atlanta could go in that direction as well. Cincinnati's got their quarterback in Burrow. Miami's got their quarterback in Tua. Detroit's got Jared Goff now. Uh, Carolina traded with New York for Sam Darnold. Denver Broncos, maybe. But they may try and give Drew Locke one more chance. Dallas has already signed, uh, or sorry, re-signed Dak Prescott. Daniel Jones is a giant. You have Jalen Hurts. LA's got uh, Justin Herbert. And you also have Minnesota and New England. New England needs a quarterback. Minnesota could be looking at a quarterback as well. Because as much as you have Kirk Cousins, it's kind of maybe it's time to start looking at the future as well. Maybe, maybe get his replacement going. Uh, he does have, I believe, another year or two left on his contract. But again, Jacksonville is probably going with Lawrence. New York's probably going with uh, Wilson. Uh, San Fran, probably Fields. And then we already talked Atlanta, could be their prospect. Or maybe they'll go into the lower rounds and wait. They, they do have the quarterback out of uh, Florida that could potentially go. They could be looking at it that way as the development. Cincinnati, Miami, Detroit, Carolina, Denver possibly, could they be going with Lance or Mac Jones? But we definitely, if you look at it, Minnesota, maybe New England as their quarterback because they are in need of one. New England did resign Cam Newton, so we'll see how it goes. Now, going through the other teams, um, not many of, well, Chicago, Chicago could be trading up, but they did sign Andy Dalton to be the starter, so we'll see. And it's when you're looking at other teams, what else do they need? Cincinnati definitely needs offensive line. Miami, offensive line. Detroit could use some offensive weapons. Carolina, try to build properly around Darnold. Offensive line, weapons, running back. That's what they need. Denver, same thing. Dallas, well, you can booster up that O-line, get another legit weapon, especially with a tight end who's in the draft. Could be. Daniel Jones, offensive line, that's key. Also weapons as well. And you know what? They could look at defense too. Uh, Philadelphia offensive line is very important in regards to this for protecting Jalen Hurts. Uh, L.A. same thing. O line. Minnesota maybe quarterback like I talked about. But looking through, and I'll do more and more in depth discussion on Wednesday's episode of the podcast on every team, what I think they're going to be doing, and probably more addressing their needs. And I've talked about my Indianapolis Colts. We're not going for a quarterback because we have Wentz now for the next four years. But we also do need O-line. Costanzo did retire. We also could be looking at defense as well, cornerback, defensive line. We'll see. Maybe get a defensive tackle to help out uh, DeForest Buckner uh, and Stewart as well. Get that rotation in. But a defensive line could be there. Or sorry, a DN, sorry. Because we don't have Justin Houston signed. We do have some young raw talent. Uh, we do have Muhammad, we have Ture, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but then, young talent, but again, going down more and more. Uh, like There are some teams here with multiple first-round picks. When you look at Miami, you see New York. Uh, you also see Jacksonville. They have multiple picks as well. Uh, Baltimore, I believe they're going to have, yeah, they have two because they traded away Brown to the Kansas City Chiefs, so that's what they have. So 
It'll be interesting. But again, Mon- or, sorry, Wednesday's special of the podcast, I will be discussing that. So tune into that episode, and I'll break down uh, who, I not which player, but who I believe. Because I already discussed the quarterbacks. It's kind of tough, but I'm definitely going to look at needs of what they could be doing, um, where they're going to be going, and maybe, maybe make name predictions as well. So it is Saturday, which means it's time to do picks, and tonight I decided to do a little bit different. I know I usually do 5, 5, and 5, so today I'm going to do 5, but I'm going to do 2 from MLB, 2 from NHL, and 1 from the NBA. So, uh, my two MLB games, I'm going to go with my Red Sox versus Seattle. Red Sox did lose today. Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching tomorrow, so I'm do liking them to bounce back against them tomorrow. Uh, it's hopefully the rubber match, try and get that game tied up. Uh, Athletics and Orioles will be my second game. NHL, I'm going with the Pens and the Bruins, and Lightning and the Blue Jackets. It's definitely going to be a good battle between the Penguins and the Bruins. Uh, Bruins definitely need to start securing their spots when we're coming down to the final games of the NHL. And... Uh, the Lightning and the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets have been on losing streak. Lightning have been hit or miss uh, in regards to that. So let's see what they can do. Uh, and then for my NBA, Portland and Memphis. The last time I chose this matchup, Memphis ended up winning. And I'm going to stick with Portland. So uh, I'm so with my wins, again, because um, I talked about the Red Sox and their wins, and I said I'm going to go with Portland again. So I'm going with the Red Sox. I'm liking the Athletics. I'm liking my Penguins. I'm liking the Lightning. And I'm liking Portland as my five picks. And I'll discuss them on Monday's episode of the podcast. So we'll see. It's something different. So let's mix it up a little bit. Because I didn't want to do... I thought about it. I was like, well, I want to do MLB, NHL, and NBA. I was like, I'm going to have to choose five games here, five games there, five games there. So I decided to go two and two and two. It's easier. And I can look at it differently. And you know what? It it helps. So tonight I'm going to start fresh. Um... And I'm going to start building on this as well. So, again, looking at my 5-0 and record, I know I was doing NHL and MLB 3-2 and last weekend for that. So, tonight, we'll, we'll start this weekend. Uh, we'll see how everything turns out on Monday. So, again, my uh, winners that I'm going with, the Sox, the Athletics, the Pens, the Lightning, and Portland. So, Monday, again, I will be talking about those. And hopefully, that we have a successful 5-0 and well, with the NFL draft coming up, it inspired me to do my top 10 tonight. I know I didn't do one last Saturday, uh, but I was going to do another one, just bringing them back. Uh, I took a little break from last week, uh, but tonight's top 10 is going to be top 10 undrafted NFL players, uh, just because, you know what, those players do deserve respect as well, though they were never drafted. Some players have come out and been exceptional uh, players. Now, it's not just top 10 undrafted NFL players of all time. It's going to be the undrafted players of the 21st century. So th- this is from 2000 to now. So we're going to look at those undrafted players in the top 10. So interesting uh, players when you're looking at it. A lot of, you know, good players that have helped win some trophies, uh, some hardware, go to Pro Bowls, win Super Bowls. So a lot of players out there uh, that have you know, contributed to their teams and to the sport as well. And also some of them are on the way to the Hall of Fame as well. But tonight, here it is, uh, top 10 undrafted NFL players of the 21st century. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 
Starting off at number 10, we're going with Arian Foster. Arian Foster, everyone knows he was a running back for the Houston Texans, undrafted out of Tennessee, uh, signed on with them. Uh, now in 2009, it was very quiet, but he did put up some you know, not-so-bad numbers. Uh, but going to 2010, that's where he started to break out. Uh, over 1,600 yards, 100 yards per game, 16 TDs, led in all those categories for uh, the league itself. Multiple Pro Bowls. Uh, he was a very good running back for Houston. Now, injuries eventually took him away. That's why it's called a not-for-so-long league. Uh, but again, he did have a tremendous career at number 10, finishing with just under 9,000 yards total uh, for a career, just under 70, 68 touchdowns total for his career. Very impressive. And you know what? He was very he was a big factor for Houston, especially with their, them getting to the playoffs for a couple of times. He did go off to Miami where he wasn't really successful due to uh, the injuries. But again, he was great in Houston. He was a unstoppable force. Four seasons, well over a 1,000 yards. Uh, again, led the league in 2010. That's where he really broke out and showed that he was able to compete and play at this league. But Arian Foster is my number 10 undrafted uh, NFL player. Going with my number nine choice, it's Adam Thielen. Now, Adam Thielen has had a remarkable story. Uh, walk on at Minnesota, made the team, got a scholarship, and then he was undrafted to the Vikings as well. Tremendous athlete, especially breaking out uh, in 2016. That's where you saw him become that special player. Um, you now, his first two seasons, only one touchdown in two seasons, total of just a under 300 yards uh, total again grand total this is 300 yards one TD in his first two seasons uh, then 2016 like I said that's when he started to creep out a little bit just over 950 yards 967 five TDs but he had it has been getting better and better and he has definitely been one of the best undrafted players uh, in this the last 20 years or the 21st century since we're still in that young phase of it but he has been playing well uh, and he's getting better and better. He's well over 5,000 yards now for his career, uh, 39 TDs for his career, and again, impressive, and he's getting better. He led the league last year in TDs, missed two games, was 925 yards in receiving yards, so we know he could have gotten over 1,000, and we know that he has now become the kind of the number one option, especially with Stefan Diggs gone now. So him, Jefferson, it's going to be an interesting partnership going forward. But again, we're seeing a young undrafted player who's been playing lights out uh, since 2016, getting better and better, and he is definitely worthy of that number nine spot. Now, some of you might question why I have this, but he has definitely been a phenomenal football player. My number eight option is Gary Brackett from Rutgers. If you know him, middle, former middle linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. Listen, he was undersized. He was definitely questionable whether or not he should be there. Now, if you know the Indianapolis Colts, they have a strong history of you know, going with undrafted players and signing them to the rosters. But he ha was remarkable since day one. And he definitely earned his spot in being on that roster. Listen, the Colts defense was never the strongest, but it was fast. And he was definitely that leader. And, you know, he kind of was not like your particular 
big size middle linebacker. He wasn't like Ray Lewis or Erlacher, but he definitely made his plays. Listen, he finished with well over 700 tackles in his career. He helped the Colts get to that Super Bowl uh, in 2016, or sorry, not 2016, 2006. And he had a good career. He did. He was remarkable. He was strong. He was worthy. Uh, but again, like he wasn't your prototypical middle linebacker that we saw. But he definitely made his way onto that roster and fight it and became a great starter. And he was a key contributor to that defense. Uh, but again, he is definitely um, my number eight uh, undrafted player uh, for the 21st century. And again, he was a key contributor to the Colts winning that first Super Bowl. Now my number seven is going to be Chris Harris Jr. Well, Chris Harris Jr. has been a remarkable corner, especially when he played for Denver. Definitely was part of that strong defensive team that helped them win the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. Uh, now, but since then, he, he is now with San Diego. Uh, definitely had an injury, which kind of took him down a little bit for the season. But he has been remarkable, getting better and better each year. Uh, started getting his reps earned starts with in, in his first year in 2011. 2012 is when he really started to break out. Three t- three INTs, uh, two and a half sacks. That's where he really started to earn it. Starting 12 games, playing in 15, and then the following year definitely earned that starting role, being that number one corner for that team and getting better and better. And like I talked about, was definitely one of those important pieces when they won the Super Bowl and that strong defense. So Chris Harris has been a consistent player. Now, injuries have been affecting him throughout his career, which happens with every NFL player. And I talked about that being effective when he was in uh, San Diego. But Chris Harris has been an important piece and has been getting better. And he is one of the important corners in the NFL. He has been a strong piece. Even when Denver was rotating and signing important play, or signing new free agents, Chris uh, Harris was beating them out and taking their positions. And he earned his way up when injuries happened earlier on in his career. He took advantage of that and became a starter. And he is known as one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. And you know what? He is an undrafted free agent and definitely deserves the respect. And he is definitely one of those players on this list that he has earned it. Now going with my number six undrafted NFL player, I'm going with Sean O'Hara. Listen, Sean O'Hara was a good, solid offensive lineman. Uh, he started off as in Cleveland. Uh, they had him playing center and guard. Uh, he helped try to bolster that line, which, you know, it's Cleveland. They've had some struggles, uh, but then eventually moved on to the Giants. And while we know what happened with the Giants, had a very successful career, was the center of that line, helping bolster that running attack, and definitely was an important piece when they went on to win and beat uh Patriots during that undefeated season. Listen, we can talk about, you know, that one play where Manning broke up because he was swallowed in the pocket and not much protection there. But again, O'Hara did have a good career, starting 135 games out of 151. He had a long career going from 2000 to 2010, and it was a good, it was a good job. He was a top center. Uh, he wasn't the number one center, but he was a multiple Pro Bowl appearance. And again, he also was a Super Bowl champion and definitely helped take down one of the top teams, if not one of the greatest teams in NFL history. But again, he was that important piece to the Giants, and he was a good, tough center and definitely worthy of that number six spot. My number five uh, undrafted player is going to be Wes Welker. And you know what? Wes Welker was a phenomenal player. 
out of Texas Tech, uh, signed on with San Diego, and then he really broke out when he was with Miami, uh, especially in the final two years of when he played for them, and we'll be going over his stats in a moment, but he also was an impactful player as a receiver. Uh, now, it was... Um, not just as a receiver, also as a return man as well. So when we're looking here uh, when he was playing with Miami, over th just under 1,380 yards, which led the NFL, um, also returns in 43. But he definitely got those yards, and his averages were good. And that's where he started to earn his spots and make a reputation for himself. And then we really started to see him break out and become more of a important piece when we saw him with New England and how he was playing with Tom Brady. And he had multiple thousand-yard seasons uh, in his career, mostly all of them with New England. Uh, when he went to Denver and played with Peyton Manning, he was an important piece. He did have 10 TDs, which was the highest in his career. But for a undrafted player, he definitely had a stellar career, a phenomenal career. When we look at, like I talked about, just under 10,000 yards, 909, sorry, 9,924 yards. Uh, if we look at his total yards, he was definitely about 15,000 yards total, which is a remarkable career. Um, longest yard was, sorry, longest reception was 99 yards. Uh, the year in 2000, he led the league in uh, receiving yards. In 2009, leading in receptions, when he played in that stint in New England, he had multiple 110-plus receptions. Uh, right now, let me just count. So he had five, or sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, five seasons where he was well over 110 receptions in in his time in New England, which is remarkable. It's not much you really see in the NFL, NFL today. We've only seen a couple go over 100 yards or 100 receptions per season. But again, uh, he was a return specialist. He was a uh, target for Tom Brady, especially in those years together, going to the multiple Super Bowls. Uh, you know what? He was great, even with Peyton Manning, especially in that first two seasons. But, again, um, remarkable career. And he definitely was a return specialist, great wide receiver, and definitely worthy of the top five as an undrafted player, and arguably probably one of the greatest return, sorry, greatest undrafted players of all time as well. For number four, we're going with Jason Peters. Listen, Jason Peters is one of the best left tackles uh, that we've seen in the last 20 years and, you know there's been some good left tackles there but he has been remarkable and he's undrafted he, he's just had an incredible career and listen 213 games played currently uh, he had some injuries down the stretch especially in his last couple of years with New, uh, Philadelphia but he was undrafted started off in Buffalo uh, coming out of Arkansas you know he had a tremendous career he was traded to the Eagles after four seasons and we saw what he did in New in Philadelphia. And again, he has been a remarkable left tackle. Uh, it's just been incredible in helping bolster offensive lines and make them better. Listen, Buffalo's always had strong offensive lines. And you know what? Uh, they've always been able to run the ball. And they definitely ran behind Jason Peters uh, during that time. And we saw how big and successful it was. And you know what? What he did even in... Uh, Philadelphia being that strong anchor helping protect all those quarterbacks whether it was Foles or Wentz or anyone that stood behind that center and helped get the ball moving but you know what Jason Peters he is definitely the number four undrafted player he even could be like Welker one of the greatest undrafted 
undrafted players just because of how well he played on the line. But again, Jason Peters is my number four undrafted player of the 21st century. Now we're into my top three, and you know what? It's always easy to do your one, two, and three, and then when you're trying to do the rest of the list, that's when it's tough. But my number three uh, when I was doing this list was, you know, a challenge. But, G- uh, sorry, James Harrison was definitely that important piece. James Harrison, if everyone remembers him, was a unstoppable outside linebacker for the Steelers, and he was a dominating force, and we all saw what he had done. Originally undrafted, uh, signed by uh, Pittsburgh, left, went to Baltimore, went over to Europe, and then came back and started for the Steelers again. And he had a successful career from 2004 to 2012. And we saw him had a short stint in Cincinnati, come back to Pitt, and just, again, just a dominating force. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year in 2008, helped the Steelers get to two Super Bowl victories, multiple Pro Bowl winners, also just under 85 sacks in his career, 84 and a half is the total. Uh, Force fumbles on multiple recoveries. Everyone remembers his interception in the Super Bowl against Kurt Warner. We're turning it all the way to the end, uh, especially at halftime when, you know, he was, it was very important when the Cardinals were trying to march it down. But again, he was a force. And, you know, when you're battling in that AFC North against teams like Baltimore, you want a guy on your line to battle it out and he was unstoppable he was able to move those tackles he was able to beat them around the corner and get those sacks and you know what he was a strong power and we saw what he was capable of doing just under 800 tackles for his career uh, but James Harrison was just a remarkable player and an unstoppable force and well and deserved to be in the top three on this list going with my number two we're going to go with Tony Romo uh, listen Tony Romo had a remarkable career especially when he was playing uh, in Dallas listen he only played with Dallas when he was undrafted he wasn't really considered he was asked to come to the combine just to throw and help you know prospects get there because that's what he wasn't really considered as he wasn't really much of a talent uh, coming out of eastern Illinois Listen, his first couple years, he just stood by with a clipboard and watched. And then the injury to Drew Bledsoe, and he came in and started, you know, taking over. Uh, Just under 3,000 yards, started 10 games, uh, 19 TDs, but he started becoming the star, started becoming the leader of the Cowboys. And you know what? Successful career. Uh, over 35,000 yards, sorry, over 34,000 yards, just under 250 TDs, but injuries were definitely a part of the issue. And we saw that coming down to near the stretch of his career, 2015, 2016, we saw those injuries there. And remember 2010 when he had his injury to his arm, but again, remarkable careers. He had led the NFL in uh, passing yards once uh, as well. (laughs) He also led the league once in uh, interceptions. But uh, remarkable careers, Uh, multiple times with 25-plus TDs in his career. You know, one issue that he'll always be reminded of, that he wasn't able to get Dallas there. And there was times where he had the weapons. We remember him and and he had Barber in the backfield. He had T.O. on the outside, plus Jason Witten. He had those offensive weapons. We remember his little mistake with the ball, holding the ball in that field goal and losing. 
and we remember him falling to the Giants a couple of times in the playoffs. But he was never a playoff performer. He had the records. He definitely helped Dallas get there. But again, he definitely had issues. Now, he had a couple of seasons where they did win and succeed. Uh, 2007, where they were basically the best team in the NFL, 13-3. and And then everything going forward, he only had... Uh, he had a couple winning records, but going near the end of his career, it was about the playoffs. And, you know, that's what the issue was. You know what? Dak Prescott eventually took over. That's the new team now. That's his new team now. But, again, Tony Romo, you can't argue against his career. We see him as a great analyst uh, for NFL on Sundays with him and Jim Nance. But Tony Romo is definitely number two on this list for undrafted players. And before I get to my number one, I'll discuss some honorable mentions. We have Antonio Pierce, a linebacker for the former Giants. Willie Parker, big running back for the Steelers. Uh, Cameron Wake. Now, the Cameron Wake didn't really make my list. He was undrafted, but there was two years where he didn't play football, and then we saw him break out in the CFL, then come back to the NFL. Uh, Doug Baldwin, uh, the former Seahawks wide receiver, had a remarkable career. Injuries sidelined him, uh, but again, uh, when we look at a guy like Adam Thielen, he has basically almost the same amount of yards. And when you look at Wes Walker as well, those guys have been consistent and, you know, have been leading as well. But Doug Baldwin had a great career, especially with uh, Russell Wilson when he came into the league and Dominic Rhodes, you know, uh, first undrafted rookie to have well over a thousand yards. Uh, that was a record. And you know what? We saw him play well with the Indianapolis Colts in his career. But that's someone you can break in. He didn't really have superstardom or top 10, especially in that. But he is an honorable mention, uh, especially when you have a record like that. But those are some there. Uh, so Sorry, some mentions there. So here is my number one uh, undrafted NFL player of the 21st century. Antonio Gates was arguably one of the best white, best tight ends that we have ever seen in the game today. Undrafted, remarkable basketball player, and definitely worthy of the number one spot. We saw him play at Kent State, and I did bring up his basketball. He was a remarkable player on their basketball team. And you know what? He was just a phenomenal receiving tight end and just a dominating force. We saw him break out. We saw him in his earlier career uh, just start catching balls. Listen. Under a thousand yards, sorry, not a thousand yards. Under a thousand receptions for his career, 955, well over 11,000 yards uh, for his uh, receiving, and also a th- 116 TDs. Definitely Hall of Fame numbers, and he was just remarkable, consistent. Uh, like I talked, uh, eight Pro Bowls, three All Pros, and he was just one of the best tight ends that you ever saw in the game, and he was always there. He was consistent. He did have some injuries from time to time. We saw it near the end of his career. You know, injuries took a toll. I know Father Time was there. Just remarkable style of player. And he was, you know, always open. He was just uncoverable uh, during his prime. And you know what? He was there for Drew Brees. He was there for uh, Philip Rivers. He was just a remarkable player. And you know what was just a target. And many people in fantasy football love to have him. But Antonio Gates was just a remarkable player and number one on my undrafted players list. So just go over the list again. Uh, Number 10, Arian Foster. Uh, Number 8-9, Adam Thielen. 8, Gary Brackett. 7, Chris Harris Jr. Number 6, Sean O'Hara. 
number five, Wes Welker, number four, Jason Peters, number three, James Harrison, number two, Tony Romo, and number one, Antonio Gates. And like I talked about, one of the best tight ends you ever get to see in the game. Uh, and But that was my list. I hope you enjoyed it. It's always tough doing these lists, and I talked about it. Like, you can do one, you can do two. When you're trying to fill in the rest and trying to be like, okay, this guy did this, 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 and this, and compare, it is a tough one. Because, you know, there's been some remarkables, and I talked about that in my honorable mentions. But, you know what, I, I do like this list, and Antonio Gates is definitely that number one undrafted NFL player of the 21st century just because of that stellar Hall of Fame career. And he will get in there one day. And, you know what, those numbers, they don't lie. He was a remarkable I uh, wish the teams that he was on were a little bit better, but San Diego was good. They were, they definitely were very helpful to him. You know what, the quarterback that he had was pretty good. Uh, but again, uh, Gates, Hall of Fame career uh, as an undrafted player, and again, remarkable basketball player at Kent State. But again, I hope you enjoyed my list. But that was my top 10 undrafted, sorry, top 10 NFL undrafted players of the 21st century. Well, that's it for the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you enjoyed the top 10. On Monday's episode, I will recap my picks from the weekend. So don't forget, I'm going with the Red Sox, the Athletics, the Pens, the Lightning, and Portland for my picks. So remember, I broke them up, two from MLB, two from NHL, and one from the NBA. And I'll be changing it up every weekend. More, it could be one more from league, none from another league. Who knows? But I am going to like this new aspect of the picks. Uh, and again, uh, Monday, I will be recapping the weekend. I'll also be talking with the Zurich Classic, looking into the semifinals for Champions League, which kicks off this week as well. And remember, there is no more Super League. That went the way of the Dodo. But it was interesting to see if it was going to happen. But uh, tune into Monday for more updates. Catch up on English Premier League as well. Also other areas. And as we get closer and closer to the draft, I will be discussing that as well. Plus, I'll be doing my draft special on Wednesday. So tune into that as well. Uh, but thank you for listening to tonight's show. Enjoy the rest of your night and weekend. Don't forget to... Uh, hit subscribe on where you get your podcast, but enjoy your weekend again. Have a great night. This is the Draining Jimmy's Podcast.